Hello, it's Craig from the future again. I'm making my final stop before returning to the present to inform you that once again, this was recorded after certain Batwoman news was revealed, but before the most up-to-date news came out. This means that the discussion we will have here is once again out of date. The Legends of Tomorrow podcast should contain the most current information, assuming I can get it edited quickly enough. Now, I must return to the present day. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Joseph Malazzi, creator of Dark Matter, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. And welcome to another super edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig and I'm here to lead a discussion on the fifth season of Supergirl. To help me with this, I just need to press the right buttons and assemble my own super friends. Joining me in this virtual world for dinner, which we can eat and drink and apparently taste and get nutrients from somehow, it's Andrew. Yeah, well, it might be false world, but it feels great to me, so I'm not ready for everyone to leave. Well, that's your prerogative. You can watch your muscles atrophy and slowly die so <laughs> that, that's really morbid but it's what happens maybe and Chris is also in this virtual world with me this virtual world is full of bugs tons of bugs just the bugs midges. are bugs midges <laughs> midges <laughs> and bugs virtual midges eating us alive okay so we are nominally here to discuss Supergirl season five is it five I forget what seasons these things are on it's five yeah yeah five Good start, Craig. You don't know what season it is. <laughs> what are we talking about again? Yeah. What is this? Where are we? What's going on? What's my name? Anyway, but first, it depends what you're actually listening to. Well, if you're listening to the Supergirl podcast, we're going to go straight on to Neil Before Rise Against. But if you want to hear us discuss the Snyder Cut, you can cut to the bonus episode that would be for Patreon subscribers early if we had Patreon or subscribers we have neither, so we're just going <laughs> to talk about the Snyder Cut instead. Or Neil Before Rise Against, depending what you want to listen to. Are, are you saying that there's an extended full version of this podcast as you originally intended it elsewhere? Exactly. I've cut a chunk out of it for no real reason other than I can. Studio Interference. So yes, so somewhere out there in the untamed ether of the internet, there exists the original Mackenzie recording. There does. There actually does. There Release really the, the Mackenzie cut. The full <laughs> Release thing. Release the Mackenzie cut, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hear us talk about the Snyder cut, listen to this other episode. Otherwise, Neil Before Rise Against will happen. Okay, Andrew, what are you kneeling before? I am kneeling before a series on Netflix called The Ministry of Time. It's been out for a while, but it's one I just recently came across. It's a Spanish series about a civil service department who regulate time travel through a labyrinthine building with multiple doors that lead to various points in the past. 
and attempting to prevent some uh, nefarious people for uh, using time travel for their own ends and completely screwing things up. It's done really, really well with some uh, really interesting characters in it and some really interesting stories that use this premise pretty well. I get the impression that I would get a lot more out of it if I were more familiar with Spanish history and the various cultural figures that exist throughout it. But even so, it's, it's something... I think, I think most people could enjoy and it's one I'd recommend to folks seek out cool my flatmate actually watches this and she was annoyed when it was taken off Netflix so is it back or did it never leave alright um, I did make a notice a while ago or something to talk about so it, it may have disappeared in the, in the interim yeah it seems to have but if you can find it then okay so Ministry of Time check it out time travel in Spanish go for it Chris what's yours my Neil Before is actually also a Netflix thing, strangely enough. It's a program called Mars, which I think has actually been on Netflix for quite a while, but I've only really properly watched it recently. So it's sort of a combination of drama and documentary following basically man's attempts to colonize Mars in 2033. So it'll sort of jump between the dramatization of what happens and talking heads, sort of scientists from NASA, different authors, philosophers, politicians, talking about how it would work out in reality. There's two seasons worth of it sitting on Netflix, and I really, really enjoyed it. If you're at all interested in theorizing a little bit of what if and how about, then it's worth watching that. Does it suggest what we're going to do about all the white Martians? doesn't seem like they like interruptions. <laughs> Uh, they haven't quite covered White Martians, but they do cover life on Mars. So, yeah. The song. Or the TV series. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> oh, good. Good. White Martians will be in season three. Check that out. <laughs> okay. Check that out. My Neil Before is attached to, as yet, I haven't actually uploaded this discussion that we've had, but well, there's more news about Batwoman casting, which makes that discussion that we've had out of date, which is great, because it's not out yet, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but they've now decided we're not recasting Kate Kane anymore. We're going to do a new character taking on the mantle. I think that's a good idea, because I think a lot of people have already responded to Ruby Rose positively in that role. So having to accept someone new in the role will be difficult and will possibly kill the show. That's just my view. I have no idea that's what would actually happen. But we'll never find out, because they're casting a new character and they're going to put mm. her in the costume. So what I think is going to happen here is season two will start off with some stunt person in the bat suit that gets killed, and then for some reason they'll decide to pick up this directionless person living on the streets or whatever and put her in the costume. Fast, but, fast forward five years' time where someone decides they're going to take up the mantle of the fallen hero from years ago. Yeah, well, maybe. Probably not, though, because they want to be in sync with the other shows. But Oh, that's true. Yeah, I think this is a good idea. We'll see whether people react to the new character positively. They might, they might not. I think there's more chance of people liking a new character rather than liking a new person in the role, though. So I think this is the right decision. Can't be easy for the production team at this point. They just must be thinking, what the hell are we going to do about this? How are we going to decide to put someone else in the bat suit and just carry on as normal? What about all these storylines we've been developing, such as the dynamic with Alice, the villains that are off in the distance, 
Bruce Wayne, her relationship with Bruce Wayne. What about all this? None of this. We can't do any of this now. So. <laughs> yeah, because 90% of the secondary characters are her relatives yeah, in one way or another. A, yeah, it's going to be insane. It's going to be the weirdest second season of anything ever. It's basically a new show at this point. It's very interesting. I mean, like you say, it's like, okay, so we either recast and it's a bit weird or we have to go for a new character. But like you say, everything's so tied around that core character. And also, if they're not able to do some form of handover, so if they're not getting her back for a few episodes for some reason or it anything like that, like if that's it's just, happen, yeah, yeah if, it, if it's just like, okay, we've cut all ties, we cannot use her whatsoever <laughs> from now on, yeah, then... It's going to be a really awkward transition into it, <laughs> which is why I was saying it's a, you jump forward in time. But like you say, they want it to be in sync with the other shows so they can cross over and do all yeah. that. Because you almost need a time jump to explain different outcomes, to write out characters that you can't bring back or to move plots in different ways. Whereas if you pick up from where you left off, you're sitting there going, who are they? Where have, they, where have they come and how are they in knowledge of all this it's either that or you've got to do the world's clunkiest writing of oh them oh they've been in the background the whole time <laughs> they've been here the whole time well I haven't specifically seen this but there's something similar happened in Charmed so the original Charmed not the new one unfortunately we're stuck with those three actors for, for the duration it seems which is really unfortunate because they ain't that good at least they're not very good in that show. I'm sure they're very talented in their own right. But they're not very good in that show. But between seasons, one of the leads in Charm, the original, left and was sort of replaced in between times. There was a lot of strife behind the scenes. Apparently nobody liked her and all this kind of stuff. But basically, you kick off this new season with one of the sisters saying, you know, my sister's dead. We were attacked by this. And it leads people just to be like, have I missed an episode? Like, did this come back last week and I didn't see it? It just doesn't really work. But <laughs> you quickly forget about it because if not, you'll drive yourself mental. But it's one of those things. If my theory holds true and she ends up getting killed in some action sequence where, I don't know, some mugger on a motorcycle manages to kill her or whatever, it's going to be like, what? She survived literally the destruction of universes and she gets shot in the face and dies. There's a bit of tragic irony to that if a hero meets their end in a kind of fairly subdued way. It's almost like, yeah, what else can happen to John Ramble but he falls in the shower and breaks his neck? It was a thing that was dealt with fairly briefly in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because there was one point when Buffy feels like she's starting to lose her edge a bit and the show ends, ends up like reaffirming its core concept. The idea of a slayer is basically a, a teenage girl who is given the responsibility of fighting all the monsters and demons in the entire world. And all it would take would be for one slip-up for her to be killed horribly. And she ends up having a conversation with Spike about it, with the significant aspect of, it, of his backstory being that he'd killed two slayers. Yeah, I remember um, this episode, yeah. And actually, you see those scenes of the circumstances where it happened, and each of them was, was like so insignificant and meaningless. Uh, one of them was a fight on a subway train and kind of going through, through a tunnel, and Spike just used darkness to quickly overpower her. Mm-hmm. Things like that, because heroes need to be on the top of things every single time. The bad guys only, only need to be lucky once. Yeah, that's true. And they could play with that, or they could be, oh, I can't believe that she survived so much and this happened, and... Black Lightning needs to turn up at the funeral to say, I never really met her, but she seemed cool. Because <laughs> that, that's what he does. Hmm. He just turns up and tells people that, yeah, they seemed all right from what I could tell. I don't really I, know them. Now, I've not finished the season of Batwoman yet. Seems so like there's no point. I don't know. Just it seems like there's no two. point. I might as well start straight <laughs> from season two. But I take it there's no way that they can pivot to another character picking up the mantle that they've already got. 
Not, not currently, no. Well, no, there is one character within the show I could see passing the mantle to, but that's not what they're going to do. It's someone new. At the point I'm watching at the moment, she's obviously got her ex, Sophie, floating about, stuff like that, so I don't yeah, know how far. It's Alfred's <laughs> daughter that I'm referring to, Julia. Ah, anyway. Julia. Okay. Yeah, she could have been Batwoman, in theory, I suppose. But that's not what they're doing, so that's that. We'll talk about more of this more as it develops, I suspect... The replacement will be cast very soon because they're moving very quickly on this. If they yep. still want to make a January airing date, then they're going to have to move it pretty soon. Yeah, don't have time to muck about. So, yeah, we'll be talking about it pretty soon, I guess. Fair enough. So that's that. Andrew, Rise Against Something. My Rise Against is also uh, about an actress announcing that she is leaving a superhero show. Um, it's one that is, is that... Uh, uh, the news that Maisie Richardson Sellers isn't going to be coming back next season to Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more next episode when we're doing Legends, I guess. Should have thought ahead about that. No, no, it's valid. I've not watched the last episode yet, so I don't know how organic her exit is, but I was a little disappointed because I really like Charlie. I thought she was a great character, though I do concede with the plotline of her being one of the fates, then with that storyline being concluded then it's questionable how much more of a place there is for her. Yeah. Although that's kind of what the show's about. There are a bunch of people that have no real place, so they find a place together. I suppose, yeah, actually. But Legends has always been on quite a rotation, though, when it's come to people on the ship and people on the core cast. They've never really shied away from rotating people in and out. That's true, yeah. And she has also already technically left once when Amaya stayed behind. Mm. Yeah, although she was only leaving to be a different character at that point. She was always coming back. And they kicked Brandon Routh off the show. So there's been a lot of change on Legends this season, which we'll definitely talk about when we talk about Legends, which will be sometime after this. Speaking of someone that has seen the final episode, I thought her exit was done well within the context of the episode. Whether the exit is done well in terms of the fact that she's leaving. Although, as I understand it, she wanted to leave. They'd been planning it for a while. And that's why they did the fate story, just to give her something to build towards. Well, I suppose that's something. As I said, Brendan Routh and Courtney Ford, they're basically told, like, oh, by the way, you're fired. <laughs> like, so, we can't sorry, Brandon, anymore. you cost too much. See you later. <laughs> There's a door and take your message with you. Yep, basically. So, yeah, we'll come back to this in another episode. But, yeah, kind of sucks. But hopefully it's for the right reasons for her. I guess is all we can say about it. Chris. So something that I kneeled before a good few podcasts ago was Westworld Season 3 starting back up again. <laughs> and in traditional fashion, <laughs> I'm going to come back and say, <laughs> for God's sake, they've done it to me again and disappointed me with a season. <laughs> Once again, a really good, strong start to a season followed by lots of vague until finale day, <laughs> at which point they go... Oh, here's a question answered. Here's now 220 more questions. And uh, you what? At the end. And then roll credits. So, yeah. Once again, I've got to go Westworld Season 3. What the hell? Anyway, there you go. I do enjoy a self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) I think I said when I knelt before it that the last time it had started strong and then did it again. And, yeah. This is my yearly dive into, oh, what have you done? (laughs) What a shame. What a shame. Okay. My Rise Against will be... Quite a simple one. Ryan Gosling is going to be playing the Wolfman for the Not Dark Universe. Man Wolf or Wolfman movie. I'm going to be controversial again. Last time I was hating on Christopher Nolan. Now I'm saying I don't like Ryan Gosling. People are just going to think I'm at it. People are going to think I'm just trying to get a reaction. And yes, I am. Come on. (laughs) Come at me. Ryan Gosling's fine. I think in things like The Big Short, he was really good. 
I like it when he emotes, but he doesn't do it very often. Do I really want to see a wolfman staring into the middle distance? No, is the answer. So can you not have come up with someone else? Come on. Do you not need someone a bit gruffer to be a wolfman? Something a bit more rugged. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that'll you know, be the contrast. He's like very prim and well turned out, and then when he wolves out, he's slightly mussier. He'd be like a supernatural werewolf, as in the TV show Supernatural, as opposed to the concept. You almost need double casting, don't you? You need Ryan Gosling as normal man, and then someone else as actual wolfman. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to care unless, at the end of the film, Russell Crowe knocks on his door and says, I'm going to talk to you about the Monsters Initiative. Yes, we've started it back up again, and no one suspected a thing. Yeah, that's it. This is back on track. Everyone. He he turns up with Tom Cruise because he can't get rid of Tom Cruise (laughs) and Elizabeth Moss with her invisibility suit that she stole from her psycho (laughs) ex-boyfriend. We're putting a team together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Please. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So there we go. Okay. Let us move on to our featured topic, Supergirl Season 5. So, just a very quick, without spoilers, what did you think of Season 5, Andrew? Overall, I quite enjoyed it. Like every Arrow show this year, like it was definitely a, a two-half kind of tale pre- and post-crisis. I think they did very well with it. Some decent development for some characters and some slightly more cerebral plot lines, which I quite enjoyed. Cool. Chris, what did you think? I've not been particularly big on Supergirl this season. I've found a lot of it predictable or a lot of it, it's like I've seen this kind of storyline before, but not in a Supergirl context. I know it's very difficult in the sort of CW shows now to tread lines that haven't been plotted out before in Flash or Arrow, or Legends, or or Black Lightning. It must be impossible now to try and come up with a plot or a surprise twist that hasn't been riffed on already. So I've found a bit of it disappointing this year, and I've made my thoughts clear in the past about uh, Lex Luthering everything. I think I chatted to the two of you on the Crisis podcast going, no, why is he back again? Oh, God. I was like, oh, finally, they're moving on from the whole Luther thing. And it's like, no, he's back again. So, like Andrew said, there's actually been some good little developments over a couple of bits that was like, oh, that was an interesting take on a thing. But a lot of it I've found predictable and a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I'd like the season on the whole because I like the characters and I think, worst, I think the show is watchable. It's never sunk to the depths that Flash has. It's never been at the point. <laughs> and there we go, it's kicking. It's magic it's kicking. We did there it. we go. We did it. There you go. We need Just to ring to... a bell every yeah. single time. <laughs> we have to get it. Turn it to a drinking game. I can relax now. I've said it. Like, it's been there. We don't have to bring it up again. But that show sunk to some depths where I was sitting there thinking, why am I still watching this? And then. Oh yeah, I can watch Legends after this because it's in the same universe. Sorry, Flash, you can be as bad as you want and I'll keep watching because you're connected to other shows that I like. Damn it. But Supergirl's never been that bad. It's never descended to the point where it's like, my God, this is dreadful. And But it's never really elevated itself to the point where it's like, oh my God, this is insane. This is so good. So... It sits there in between. It occupies this little in-between bit where it's like, well, I get to watch Melissa Benoist once a week and that's always great because she's mm-hmm. amazing. And 
I guess that's enough for me. I think some of the stories were pretty good. I think all of them weren't taken as far as they could have been because you had all these branching plot lines intersecting with each other and fighting for screen time and none of them really got finished because it's not their fault, to be fair, that they didn't finish them. But I don't think the conclusion would have been all that interesting either because they had what one episode left. Wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to tie up the way it needed to. But we'll get to that. So, yeah, it was all right. Watchable as always. Characters are good. It's kind of good fun. It's a good show. Okay, shall we move into spoilers? Let's do it. So let's start with the Leviathan plot. The Leviathan plot was weird because it was so poorly done in the first half of the season. It's this weird organisation or this collection of people that have been here since prehistoric times. Was it that their ship hit in the planet, killed the dinosaurs or some nonsense like that? Sounds about right. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> okay, did that happen in the other shows or are they just better at hiding in the other, as it was, universities at that time? <laughs> now it's the same universe. But... It seemed like for people that have managed to keep themselves hidden for billions of years, they're really bad at it. Hmm. So, (laughs) yeah, oh, look, we found this symbol and we just go to this place and there they are. That was easy. Did no one think to do that before? Seriously? I mean, probably not. Yeah. I think they did it better in the second half because they were a bit more elusive in the sense that only people knew about them because their counterparts in the pre-crisis universe were stupider and revealed themselves. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only reason anybody knew about them in in the post-crisis Damn other universe us. Yeah, (laughs) damn pre-crisis timeline us. What were we thinking? Well, perhaps that was an intentional rewrite. When they looked back and realised what a mess they'd made of all, they were just like, right, okay, the universe has been rebooted. What problems do we need to fix? Yeah, but they didn't replace it with anything really decent, to be fair. So No, but yeah, I think I think it was just because they'd already started that kind of plot line, so they want to see it through to the end. Yeah. So what did they want? Did they want to enslave humanity or kill them? Or it depends what episode you were watching, really. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at all the plots from the past, when they go, oh, they were involved in the plague or the Great Fire of London, or you're like, Okay, so, but what were they trying to achieve through all of these things? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they created the plague. It's like, okay, so they wanted to kill all humans? They wanted to kill some humans? <laughs> they wanted to, I, I don't know, they wanted, you know, if, if it turns out they're responsible for COVID, I'm just going to say, I, I don't know what their end game is. <laughs> I've always been a bit wary about kinds of plot lines that feature nebulous organisations who've been around for a millennia and are seemingly omnipotent. Because it gives you a ready-made shortcut for them being able to do literally anything and being responsible for anything and able to achieve anything because you don't actually need to justify how they're doing it because you've already introduced them as all-powerful. And to me, it's just kind of lazy, really, to be (laughs) honest. It just gives an easy shortcut, which is all too often used. And the Arrowverse loves a clandestine organisation as well. We've got the League of Assassins, we've got Hive, we've got these buggers. Black Hole. Black Hole, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) There's others. Do they never interact with each other? Do they never meet? I mean, did Ra's al Ghul never encounter Leviathan on his travels? Surely he must 
like the the bidding war for all these secret bunkers must be a nightmare. Can you imagine? It's like they've both got this volcano hollowed out. They both want to use it as their base, and they're falling out with each other. Going, no, I want this volcano. We want this mythical island that no one can find. It'd be really useful for our organization. Yeah, there was the one that Diaz wanted into. What was that one? Just like a random aside, there was a TV series version of the Disney movie Big Hero Six, and in, in, in the recent season of it, one of the subplots is them getting their own secret lair, which is built by, by a contractor who specialises in secret lairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much fun how they play with it. I... There was a very good Mitchell and Webb sketch a few years ago as well about the villain trying to get a contractor in to put trapdoors into <laughs> secret base. <laughs> And it ends up, well, I, you know what? I won't spoil it. I'll let people Google it. But just Mitchell and Webb, if you search for that, an evil boss, then you'll get mm-hmm. all the different sketches that he was involved in. I've always wondered how the Bat Cave is put together. Bruce Wayne and Alfred couldn't do that themselves. <laughs> or, and Lucius Fox in some versions, I guess. Same in Arrow when they built the bunker. Who did that? It wasn't Oliver. It wasn't just Oliver and Felicity. I mean, let's let's even go for the the show that we're talking about at the moment. Who put that elevator all the way to the roof from John's office? It was always there. That's it I'm was always there. <laughs> yeah. It was always it was always put in there. But when you bought the office on the ground floor, you automatically now own the roof terrace as well. Yep, that's all there in the lease. That's you all just there. bought the yeah. building. I want this nice little ground floor office. Oh, and can I have the lift all the way up to the roof, please? <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure you could have that. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? It's absolutely fine. But yeah, I didn't find Leviathan especially interesting i didn't think any of the members of them were all that good and they do get superseded by lex eventually which is a different thing i don't know it's anything it's just it's my general reaction to anything to lex basically appearing really <laughs> i totally agree with what andrew was saying in his original point which is when you make these organizations that have been around for years you know going all the way back in time they've got a ridiculous power level they're immortal. They've had all the time that they could possibly need to plan the perfect thing to achieve whatever goal is the actual goal that they're trying to achieve. You write yourself into a corner where, well, how are they defeated then? What what's yeah. their undoing that they didn't see coming? What was the, you know, the Achilles heel <laughs> in this whole organization? that you've had all the time in the world to prepare for your moment. And what's the problem? You leave the door unlocked. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> and they're going to be defeated by Supergirl in half a season of television, but they've been around for like billions of years. Oh, they've it, been around for tons of time. They've not been stopped by anyone else, but this time they've been got. At least the League of Assassins took them a couple of seasons to take down, and it was only because Nyssa decided that they weren't to exist anymore. So that was fine. But yeah, it's weak, and we don't need another one. And there is the threat of the boss, like some boss out there that's going to come back, which I couldn't give less of a crap about, to be honest. It's like, oh, she's unhappy. Who the hell? In fact, I'm not even going to ask who the hell is she. I don't care. Yeah, that's the whole whole reason for putting in that line like that, is to make people ask the question, when it's entirely plausible they haven't even thought of what the answer is. Yeah, and what is the answer going to be? Oh, look, it's another alien. Cool. It's another super powerful entity with god-level abilities who is going to be taken down by the end of the season. It's Kara's other aunt that she didn't know about. I do like the line of, they don't know who it's supposed to be yet. Yeah. It's like they've sat around the writer's room and going, yeah, well, they need a boss because we need someone that they're going to fight after this and who is an even bigger threat 
So write it vague just now and we'll work it out over hiatus, <laughs> over the break. Yeah, over the break, we'll have some form of writing. Like part of it is because I do a lot of creative writing myself. So I think a lot about narrative structures of, of things. And, and so to me, how various story points are put together is really, really clear to me. And sometimes it's just obvious when they haven't thought of something, but they're just putting in some random placeholder until they figure it out themselves. Well, it's definitely what's happening here, yeah. Otherwise, you would have got a more prominent tease. Although maybe there was supposed to be one in the final episode that they never finished, in fairness. So I guess uh, this, this boss will, uh, will appear in, in a shadowy corner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's someone or, in a shadowy corner. Who are they? Or just when you think you've got Lex on the ropes, his plan is going to fail, it's all going wrong, he's almost in handcuffs, and suddenly someone super powerful comes in, knocks Kara aside, takes Lex away with them, and <laughs> it goes to credits. Because it, because it turned out that Lex being foiled was part of his plan all along! <laughs> this is who he really wanted to meet. Yep. <laughs> I plan for all of this. I think uh, John Cryer has it in his Supergirl contract that he gets to have one episode per season that's about what he's been up to in the background while everyone else has been <laughs> cutting about. It's starting to look like that because <laughs> I genuinely can't see any other justification for it. I think they've been doing a lot of gymnastics to make life easier for John Cryer, which is fair enough, actually, because he's probably a decent pedigree for the show to get. Because you know he's been in a lot of stuff, and the fact that he's on it is a is a good get. And regardless of what you think of this version of Lex, he's very good at playing this version of Lex. Mm-hmm. I like this Lex a lot because I just feel like that's what Lex Luthor should be. This is the version of Lex Luthor I've been wanting to see for a long time. Michael Rosenbaum's great, and he always will be. But this is as close to a comic book Lex Luthor as we'll ever get. I think, at least for the foreseeable future, especially if Jesse Eisenberg gets his hooks back in. <laughs> don't please I'm trying to not think about he's like it. this is my chance I thought it was over but no I'm back <laughs> I'll unleash Deathstroke on people again yeah it's going to happen no it's not going to happen hopefully it's not going to happen I thought the episode was fine I always feel really sorry for Eve whenever Lex is messing about with her because obviously she's a genius but she's an idiot as well she's a genius but she's not very smart <laughs> just falling for it. his crap every time yeah, I mean, she sort of falls into it, but then the whole idea in the other timeline is that she was also playing him the entire time. She thought she was playing him, but he was actually playing her twice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you want. <laughs> and, then, and then in this, when she's talking to Kara, I was trying to work out because it was like she was saying that Lex had her mum rather than Leviathan had her mum. Is that yeah, right? Lex, Did I pick that yeah. up correctly? Yeah, Lex told her that Leviathan were targeting her mum. But actually... He was, in fact, hiring those mercenaries right. to hang around outside her mum's house in case she did anything that he didn't like so he could order them to kill her. But I thought the whole reason he managed to get the people around the house in the first place and the reason that she was working for Leviathan was that they had people outside of her mum's house. Well, I don't know if they ever said, oh yeah, we've actually put people outside of our house on a shift basis to attack her at any time. I think mm. it was just a nebulous threat. Oh, right, like, we yeah, can we get will to at her, some point. You worry? Yeah. Yeah. But Lex was like, oh, don't worry, I've hired these guys. If the, so much as a butterfly goes anywhere near your house, they'll descend <laughs> on it. But it is just that insurance for him. It's like, oh no, I can no, I've got people outside yeah. your mum's house, yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm glad they did away with uh, her becoming a weird robot hybrid thing because that was rubbish. It just didn't work very well. I mean, it tied into what Lena was going through, but it didn't really work very well. Although we still have to deal with the fact that she killed Dean Cain because Kara and Alex don't know that yet. And they're like, oh, don't worry, we saved your mum. Off you go and live your life. You can be one of us now. And it's like, I sort of killed your dad. Before you go, just give us a list of things that Lex got you to do so yeah. that we've got no further surprises, please. Yeah. Yeah. And I was oh, actually well, looking you... up why <laughs> Dean Kane's not on the show anymore, because I was curious. And there's nothing definitive on it, although it seems that he has some pretty strong right-wing views, and I guess they don't like that, so they're not going to have him on the show anymore. Oh, it's possible. I didn't read anything specific, but that is that may have been also why why they ditched Kevin Sorbo so quickly. Yeah. But it did seem a bit of a fast and random exit for for character. It was obviously been around since, since the start of it. Yeah. Well, with my Arrowverse watch through that I'm doing with my flatmate at the moment, recently got to the episode where it turns out he was working for uh, Cadmus, another clandestine organisation. <laughs> <laughs> and them to the list yeah <laughs> they've not been around that long and they didn't last long but as i was watching that episode i was just kept thinking wow you can't act even at all you're really bad at what you do how did you ever lead a tv show were we just all stupid in the 90s and i think based on the state of the world now yes is the answer to that question <laughs> also i'll remember is well, well for us certainly we were also kids in the 90s yeah i actually didn't like the new adventures of superman in the 90s all right. I mean, it would be on sometimes, and I'd be like, this is crap. <laughs> and yeah, it's pretty crap, let's be honest. I did watch it, though, which is like a, a recurring theme in my life. I didn't learn in the <laughs> 90s, so I just continued on watching stuff and going, you know. But the new Adventures of Superman had a sort of uh, a cheesy, easy-to-watch element to it, which I think made it work to an extent, especially with TV that was on at the time. I suppose. I mean, I, like, I didn't like it at the time. For whatever reason. I don't know. I think it's because I was reading Superman comics at the time. And it's like, wow, no one who makes this show reads these at all. Hmm. (laughs) There's definitely elements of that. (laughs) With the character being sort of knocked off in that way, it did seem a bit shocking out of the blue for a character that's, you know, I'd even forgotten that he had went into hiding, to be honest. (laughs) I forgot about that. He didn't, though. He was still working for Cadmus and he was just never seen again, I think. Oh, right. Is that how it was left? Because I was like, I must have missed the bit where he had sort of run off into the sunset and was never seen again. So to then go, oh, yeah, and, and he's been killed off, by the way, and we've now got to have an episode of everyone reacting to it. And I was like, I couldn't remember what had happened to him. Yeah. It's because he's so terrible. I mean, it's just Dean Kane is not good. But anyway, they made quite good use of it by tying it to Eve and making her the killer. And I think they used his death quite well in terms of Alex, with her retreating into the virtual world and becoming Supergirl for a bit. That was pretty good. I think that was another good display of grief. I think the Arrowverse shows have been really good at giving you complex and differing views on how people handle grief. And that's another one. That's another good one. Mm. Yeah, because that's one of the things, because grief is one of the things that everybody reacts to differently yeah. and so to have people behaving in exactly the same way when they would lose someone close to them would just be unrealistic and also kind of boring as well yeah really boring. i mean i did i did like her retreating into the i'm trying to remember what the name of the platform is but re- retreating obsidian. into the obsidian, obsidian. There obsidian we go. platinum well that's the latest, <laughs> but it's just obsidian yeah. obsidian are retreating into the platform i liked but i thought they burnt through that really really quickly 
I was almost expecting that to be running for a couple of episodes in the background where she's having this dual world going on where she's feeling rubbish in the outside world so she keeps retreating to this virtual reality where she's Supergirl and you have these two running stories almost at the same time the virtual story and the real life yeah they could have done more with it I think it could have just been this secret thing that she buggers off and does yeah. when she's not around anybody else It's she feels powerless in her own life and feels and it, powerful in the virtual world which is what they were getting at but as yeah. you say it was resolved really quickly it was a really, really quick turnaround, and it felt like they had sort of burnt through something that could have been a, yeah. a longer-running thing. You know, it's not that she she goes in and she's instantly hooked and she's instantly captured and can't get out and can't escape it. It should have been something that was a slow build because the feeling that you get from the other characters that she meets in that virtual reality that have become trapped is that they've been using it for a long time. It's not yeah. that they just put it on one day and then went, oh, well, that's me now. I'm in here and then, and yeah. then accepted she go- it. Yeah. She goes to they, bed with Kelly, sneaks off and puts the lenses on or whatever, and she yeah. does this for a while. Yeah. Where is she? Why is she not here? Oh, yeah. she said she had something else to do. Oh, what's she doing? She's off in the virtual world or whatever. Yeah. It could have been a longer running thing and it would have tied in with the other themes of her sort of feeling a bit defenseless and out of place with the rest of the yeah. team, not able to defend herself in the way she did. And that would have, I think, built up a bit better. Yeah. It just seemed very sudden. I also had some questions about how this obsidian thing works. So, fair enough, <laughs> you get to put these lenses on and you go into this virtual world that you can play around in. This photorealistic virtual world, fine, it's a sci-fi thing. It's not the craziest thing they've done, broadly speaking. You can believe that it exists within the context of the show, but the idea is it creates your own world that you can interact with but also you're sharing the same world with everybody. So Alex figures out that it's not real because she sees another Supergirl, for example, which Mm -hmm. makes no real sense because it's supposed to be her fantasy. So I don't know, shouldn't you choose whether you want to interact with other people or want to live in your own private map, I guess? A little private group or a solo thing, and then instead you're all networked up. I'm not going to go on about technology in this show because... There is not enough tape for the podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've only got like 10 gig left on this hard drive. Is, of the yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is for like the whole CW thing in general. Just let's not. Because as soon as you start going, okay, so all of this is built into a set of contact lenses. The contact lenses are able to connect what appears to be anywhere in the world. <laughs> doesn't need to be on Wi-Fi. doesn't need to be somewhere that's like a hub where everyone can connect properly just from a set of lenses you're able to see hear feel taste (laughs) experience this entire world (laughs) through a set of contact lenses that's it that is how small the technology has got now yeah to enable them to do these things so see the next time you see one of those massive supercomputers in one of these shows what is that capable of doing if they can fit (laughs) all of that into a set of contact lenses I'm just saying, right? The next time they say there's not enough computing power for them to crack a password, just get them to plug into one of those lenses, right? (laughs) I've got a pair of these (laughs) lenses around, we're fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like I've got all the computing power I need in the palm of my Mm -hmm. hand. So I don't know what the limits are on the technology, but it seems very weird. And then I don't know if we want to get into what the game plan was at the end. Is it worth covering that just now, or are we wanting to wait for that? 
Yeah, well, there's a couple of issues as well that I, I sort of had with it. So this whole, you're in the virtual world, but with everyone. So you can shatter your illusion by everybody being Supergirl, because surely there can only be one Supergirl, which mm. is weird. And the fact that Alex couldn't choose. But at the end of the season, it was everybody was in their own private rooms, it seems, interacting with virtual versions of their dead loved ones that you couldn't see for budget reasons. They just were all standing around the globe. You know, that was how you visualised it. But if they had so many billion people using the platform at once, why is it on The Flash and on Batwoman, nobody's using it? <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a connected universe when you want it to be. Yeah. I think that's the... I mean, I get the I first half of the, the season, right? Different universe in the first half of the season. But the second half of the season, there should have at least been a bloody billboard for it in Central City or something. Oh, you've got to have adverts running, or you've got to see someone in the background of a shot in the cafe or whatever wearing a set of these silly lenses or whatever. Yeah. You've got to do something like that for the connected world. The visualisation of this event, when they were talking about we're going to get an event and we're going to get everyone in all at once and they're all going to experience it together because they've all got to be connected. Yeah, festival like, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a festival. It's a performance. It's a, you know, we've created this amazing virtual experience where you go in and it's all amazing. It's like the best theme park in the world that you can all visit at once. Yeah. That was what I was picturing in my head. Not... You all go in, and you're all in your private bubble, but when someone else joins, they can just see the people in a big circle. <laughs> yeah, also, there's billions of users on it. We're not bothered about time zones here. There's some people that are on at four in the morning. Yes, we're all joining at the same time, yeah. simultaneously, across the world. I mean, if it's... it were me, I'd be like, okay, I've done this for a little bit. I'm going to go to bed, and I'll get back up and join in again tomorrow. Also, worldwide stake. Didn't they say, that, well, we've reached a billion or something like that? What was the line? I think it was two billion. Was it two billion? Yeah. Does that not seem a bit small in worldwide stakes? Well, I suppose if you include the developed world. So that's like all of China and a good chunk of the West, isn't it? It's a good chunk, but it's not everyone, everyone. It seems like if your plan is to take over the world and kill off the majority of humanity and you're a massive organisation that's been around for years, and you've got the technology to do all these amazing things, it seems like you could wipe out humanity a lot easier than marketing your virtual headset. Yeah. Why don't we just detonate the super bomb we've created? No. Also, how much no, do these lenses cost? Right. Well, <laughs> your high-range, top-of-the-range iPhone is, what, £1,000? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. $1,200 if you're one of our two or three American listeners. So it was the platinum lenses. So there was previous versions that were not as good. So you'd have to imagine they cost, what, like at least a grand for a pair of these. And she's expecting well, to so. go global with it. So you've got to have people that be like, nah, I'll get these for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I've not, got them, I've not got them yet. I've put them on my Christmas list. Yeah, I'll just hang on for, for a couple months until they go down in price. Yeah, I'll get them for my birthday. Or I have the previous version. I'm fine with those. I don't need an upgraded version. I only just bought the previous version. Imagine going out to the pub or whatever, and all your pals have got these lenses and all disappear off to their virtual world, and you're just left there with their drinks. It'd yeah. be the equivalent of everyone going out for a smoke and you being left to take care of their jackets. Yeah, <laughs> that actually I've been happens. that person, and it yeah. sucks. <laughs> I thought the three of us would probably be the best category for that when everyone else goes outside and we're yeah. just sitting there going, I'll oh, just mind the coats and make well, sure no one takes the table then. So the uh, point they're making is that 
we're all so connected to our mobile phones. People go to the pub and then don't talk to the people they're with because they're always on their phone. And that's the point they're making. That's the analogy they're drawing to. Mm. And yeah, okay, that's fine. You want to be a bit anti-tech or anti-connection when it comes to tech. So yeah, we're so connected now that we're disconnected. That's your message. But Supergirl as a show, because it's not subtle, nothing in the Arrowverse is, let's face it. (laughs) That's why we love it. It's one of the reasons why we love it. A more nuanced portrayal of that would be a counter to that argument with something like, let's think about all the times that we've used technology to help save the world. How about all these databases that we keep going into, even though it breaches people's civil rights so we can help (laughs) save people? How about the fact that we're able to trace people because they all have mobile phones on them? How about the fact that you're able to contact people instantly because of these earpieces that we've got that work? It doesn't matter when you're in a tunnel or not. All this stuff, all the technology that they use, or the fact that technology does keep us connected, it ends up being a bit of a tone-deaf message in the middle of this pandemic where we're all contacting people through virtual means because that's what Mm. we can do. That's not their fault. They didn't know that was coming and they didn't know it would end up being counter to the fact that technology is great because we're all staying in touch now. And I totally get the whole, you're sitting in a pub with people. Why are so many people on Facebook? Why have you got to Snapchat everything? Why does every drink that you have have to be accompanied with several selfies that go on Instagram? (laughs) All that. We all know these people. And I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying it's not for me. But I also think that, Do you really need to document every second of your life like this? And my view is that you don't. And that is also the view that the show was having. But it also wasn't considering all the other aspects to living in a world that's essentially run by technology. It's not just being in a world of technology. Because the idea of people obsessively Snapchatting and Instagramming things, yeah, it is an irritation, it is an issue. But there seems to be this overriding presumption that is all that social media is used for, for mm. people to, to create this idealised fantasy of their own life for others to envy. And for some people, I mean, not even during a worldwide pandemic, but just in normal everyday life, for some people having the means to communicate with others without having to physically meet them is actually a lifeline for them. Yeah. Because some people are unable to, to leave the home for health or mobility reasons, or they may have issues with interacting with people face-to-face, but can do it perfectly well virtually. Is there some, some, some things that social media has been really, really good for? Mm-hmm. Because when I was a kid, the notion of being able to contact any person anywhere in the world at any time was, was basically science fiction. Mm-hmm. But now it's an everyday thing. Yeah. And technology developing to that extent is, I think, something to be celebrated and not feared and ridiculed, uh, just because of a few narcissists who obsessively post photos of their dinner. Yeah, and I think that's the argument that the show failed to have as well. Exactly. Uh, Because, and they always tend to do this, they tend to have the, okay, whatever position Kara's in is the position the show is in, which is fine. And it'd be better if they just explored these arguments and then said, oh no, this is our position on it and we do acknowledge these other things. So you really did need that character that says, I love these lenses because I can't leave my home. I can actually sit in a room with people and feel like they're with me and I don't feel anxious about it. So you don't have that perspective at all. And you should. It's just because they go down the whole, Kara gives a big speech and convinces everyone to switch off. I mean, the fact that she made 2 billion people switch off (laughs) is unrealistic i think if it's you have to get enough of the people to switch off so that leviathan will abandon their plans because not everyone would necessarily support her position on that who the hell are you telling me to turn this off 
I understand what you're saying or I don't understand what you're saying. I'm fine. I'm not going to leave this platform at all. I love it. You know, that kind of thing. But I mean, use the analogy of let's try and convince 2 billion people to leave Facebook. You're not going to do it. You're just not going to succeed. People won't leave platforms like that until... No one else is using it. <laughs> until no one else is using it. Until people have migrated to the thing past Facebook, which will happen. Because folk will have looked at MySpace or Bebo or whatever and went, oh, well, everyone's on it. No one's going to leave. And eventually folk go, oh, well, actually, I found this new thing that works a bit better or, or does more of what I want or is doing it in a yeah. new way that Facebook haven't thought about. Facebook's answer to a lot of that is they go off and they buy the other platform. <laughs> you know, it's like they go, people are taking a lot of pictures on Instagram. Hmm, Instagram, you say. Uh, yeah, so that's a, you know, people aren't using Messenger. People are using this thing called WhatsApp. Hmm, WhatsApp, you say. <laughs> and just in the same way that there'll be several companies probably lining up going, so Zoom, you say. Lots yeah. of people are using this platform. Hmm, I see. Microsoft with Skype. There's lots of these yeah. these sort of things where they come along and there's another platform that will go ah okay so they either become big enough in their own right to rival or they get snapped up while they're still small enough for someone else to gobble them up yeah i mean i'm always going to champion the notion of being present when you're out so mm. if you're in a pub with someone then yeah your full attention should be on that person or group of people that you're with you shouldn't be like i'm going to post on facebook every five minutes you know <laughs> by all means check it or whatever check twitter but just yeah don't ignore people to do it and there are a lot of people that do that and if you were to believe supergirl it'd be everybody's doing it but no one's really annoyed at it because they're also doing it so you've just got people sitting around in a bar or in a coffee shop just on their phones and that's one of the early shots in the first episode of the season actually or they're all in hmm. the lenses or whatever. They're basically sitting there and, and Kara's like, oh, look at all these people just doing this. They don't understand what a real conversation is, like the real conversation we're having around this table right now. And it's like, yeah, but you also live in this weird fantasy world where you do go and see people for like two minutes at a time every day, <laughs> just <laughs> which doesn't exist. And obviously we're doing this podcast because of technology at a distance because, A, we have to because of social distancing and virus spreading and B, because it's way more convenient to do so. So, yeah, it's a bigger issue and it wasn't allowed to be a bigger issue. So it ends up just being a, Kara gives a big speech and everybody switches off because that's all it could ever be. Because Kara is such an inspiration for humanity that she can convince people to do anything. She just believes enough. I mean, if Melissa Benoist told me to delete my Facebook, I'd probably do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think get that. I'm, I'm, Basically, that is like half the premise of the entire show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even even things in such a credibility straining premise need to operate with internal consistency. Yeah. But even even that speech, though, the thing is, you see her speaking to I think three or four people individually. Yeah. And she does better at speaking to those three four people individually. Once she's on the Tannoy system and speaking to everyone, the speech is rubbish. It wouldn't <laughs> have convinced anyone to log no. off. Because the only one that everyone on the platform heard was that final speech, not the bits that she said to each one of them. Unless it it just rebroadcast the whole thing to everybody. Yeah, it's like uh, you you all get a personalised version of her speech. (laughs) (laughs) It gets tailored for you as it comes in. Because what essentially got offered to people was the chance to see loved ones that they haven't seen for ages. People that you've missed for years, people that you never got to say goodbye to, people that were inspirational to you. That's what all those people are experiencing at that time. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, a Tannoy announcement comes over and goes, 
Yeah, so you're in danger, and you should just log off, please. I know it's nice seeing someone that you love and everything, but, you know, why don't you just log off now? I mean, not in five minutes' time once you finish this conversation. Just right now, if you wouldn't mind, because, you know, it's you're in danger. Yeah, and there was nowhere else it could go other than making it dangerous as well, rather than making it a problem that's disconnecting people. Because it's a great argument, this whole, you can talk to anybody, living or dead, a virtual representation of them that is drawn from your memories. So it will literally be the last thing that you remember about this person will be recreated in front of you, and you will get to interact them. How can anybody turn that down? I can't imagine a person alive who would think oh my god i'm gonna get to even have this virtual conversation with someone and they do touch on the fact that no grief is life loss is life loss is growth that's what it's all about you have to accept that and move on it helps inform the person that you are otherwise you're just stuck you stagnate and that's a really interesting point but it's muddled when it's combined with also this thing is going to kill you the thing is you need to be convinced that that is what's going to happen. And is Supergirl an authority where when she speaks and says, oh, this will kill everyone, by the way, that everyone goes, oh, oh, sure, well, now Supergirl said it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And not only that, afterwards it's like, well, no one's using them. There's zero users on the platform. No one's went back. Not one person has went back and switched on the platform. Yeah. Okay. And there was a similar idea used in an episode of Doctor Who, where there were ghosts appearing all over the world, and in them people were seeing their loved ones that they'd lost. It turned out to be a ruse for Cyberman invasion. And it was just transference. They weren't actually pretending to be the people that people had lost. It was just people thought that. Didn't yeah. They? Yeah, nothing to do with what the Cybermen were doing. It was just what we would do. Well, maybe that's my dead husband or whatever. And then when Rose's mum was explaining what was going on, all the people that we've lost, we're getting them back. Isn't it wonderful? And the doctor says, I think it's terrible. Because, yeah, I just say, losing people is part of life. And to try to counter it is just against the natural flow of things. Everyone would want someone back that they lost, particularly if, for whatever reason, they went before their time. But being able to exist in a place where there's just this artificial facsimile of them, it can be desirable to people. And I'm not sure that Kara's speech against it was really convincingly powerful enough for people to run against it. Let's not forget that Kara used to be in a position to understand exactly what that means, what it means to interact with something that is your parent but not your Mm. parent. Let's forget about the fact that her mother is no longer dead, which is something that I would like to forget because it just breaks so many things about the show that that I don't like. But back in season one, when she would talk to the hologram of her mother, she would constantly be reminded that, no, this is just a artificial intelligence that can only say a handful of things it doesn't have a huge vocabulary it is not my mother but she kept making that mistake and she kept going to it for comfort as well she kept Mm. going into it to tell it about her day and all this kind of stuff so she should understand what it means to have that image of someone but it's not really them and that's all the stuff that you need to feed into this but it was always going to be uh these lenses are going to kill you all and that's it I actually thought part of that was going to be where Dean Kane came back in, was when she goes into the platform, not that she's floating above the world and can see everyone who's speaking individually, but that she would be first having to go through that gateway of speaking to someone you've lost. 
you know, she needs to break through that herself before she can speak to everyone else. You've put that barrier in there. Now, I don't know if it was just cut for time or we need to get this resolved now. We can't, we can't do another Kane. five minutes or we don't want to work with Dean Kane or anyone else they could have pulled in. They've done enough deaths across this, this thing that they can pull other people in, I suppose. Yeah. But it just seemed like, oh, you've not done that. You've just went straight to that bit and having her have to go through it first to then speak to the other people and convince them to come back out, I think would have given her more of an oomph. And I get from the writer's point of view, it must be almost impossible to try and write some of these speeches. Some of them have been done better than others in the past. Even the characters in the episode say, oh, you're going to need to do one of your speeches. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, okay. It's like, it's like, so this is the thing now. And the writers must sit there going, oh, no, I've got to do the motivational speech. Oh, why did I end up with the episode with the motivational speech? Oh, oh how did I write that? I'm going to have to be all positive and bright and yeah, cheerful. Yeah. And, oh. I, and I've got to write something that's somehow convincing enough that people would instantly drop this platform and never log back onto it again. Not a single person. I don't get it. Because people that weren't logged in at that particular time, folk that were at work, say, and desperately wanted to go to this <laughs> festival thing, but they couldn't because they were driving their taxi at the time or something, right? So they couldn't log in at the moment of yeah. the thing. <laughs> they miss her speech. <laughs> that didn't get broadcast anywhere else. That speech went missing. So they didn't log back in? They didn't log in and they had to go, oh, I wonder what was going on. Oh, let me have a little look. Yeah. <laughs> because it's an email with a, an attachment that's just the speech... Yeah, it's just, just, just a speech. It's like, you know, whatever you do, don't log in. Everyone's like, oh, what's what's this? And, you know, yeah. uh, hashtag don't log in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, it's confusing and it makes no sense. And yeah. Yeah, they bit off more than they could chew with that plot. And there was far more to it than they could have ever covered. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what the danger is. I mean, how does Supergirl fight the fact that people are losing themselves to technology? That's why she needs to fight a conspiracy that's planning to wipe people out. That's why Andrea has to act like an idiot. Your platform's going to kill people. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to look into this. It's fine. Seriously, until that end episode, I was like, so she totally knows about Leviathan, right? She's totally in on the whole thing. She's just playing dumb. No, she's just stupid. (laughs) And it was when, and I can't remember the character's name, so she turns up in her villain outfit. Gemma. Gemma. Gemma, whatever. whatever. Turns up in her villain outfit. (laughs) Nothing is said. So I'm like, well, obviously she knows. Otherwise it'd be like, oh, so you've been out cosplaying and then come to the launch of this worldwide event. (laughs) Nope. She just turns up and it's like, oh, by the way, we're Leviathan. <laughs> it's like, and she's shocked. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? I mean, it's from that point of view, it's like, right, I've got this platform that is going to be used by billions of people. If it kills them, that's going to be bad for business. I should probably look into this. I should make sure that it is actually fixed. Meanwhile, someone is constantly coming up to me and saying, you do know this thing that you said is fixed is not fixed. And then you go... Yeah, but I told someone to fix it, so it's fixed. Yeah. But it isn't fixed. If but I told yeah. someone, so it is fixed. And if but you bring I'm this to me you again, right now, I will fire categorically, you. <laughs> this is not fixed. But I've told someone. I told one assistant in that scene a while ago <laughs> to make sure it was fixed. I'm the boss of this company. I know this has been dealt with. And it's like, what is going on? I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think some of the strongest 
material in the season was Lena and Andrea's friendship. And I wish they'd done more with it because I really liked the fact that they were equals and they had this history together. And that episode that flashed back to them as teenagers at boarding school and they gravitate to each other because they're just lonely, lonely rich people. You know, let's feel mm. sorry for the lonely rich people. So I did kind of feel sorry for the lonely rich people in this case. You succeeded. Well done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I liked their dynamic. The Titanic quote was a bit much. I think it was okay at first, but repeating it ten times made it a bit more tedious. But... I get the element of, yeah, we're best friends and we're equals because you don't see Lena having an equal very often. So it stands out when she gets one. That was certainly an interesting way to go, just having a character who is effectively on the same footing as she is, someone who is as intelligent as her and as business-minded and professionally accomplished. It shows the different ways that characters who effectively have the same set of characteristics can, can still be radically different people. And the way that they explore that dynamic between them I actually really enjoyed I found it quite interesting and I especially wish there'd been a bit more of it yeah we don't know what Andrea will do next season whether she'll be about maybe she'll go to prison because she almost killed two billion people just by being stupid probably be left off with it in, in this particular universe you know what I mean also be... in our universe she is rich remember yeah she is rich but surely the plot line would be the stock has plummeted she's having to sell off assets she sells Catco back to Lena that's the way this one's going yeah Maybe. <laughs> Sounds plausible. Totally. <laughs> but she's yeah. still allowed to run Catco because Lena's nice like that. Yeah, so Lena buys the assets at knockdown prices and keeps her on as yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because she's friends, you know, pally, <laughs> buddy, you know, all but that. Keeping her around isn't a bad thing. I think the thing about her father is quite interesting. She might still have superpowers, just like everyone else does now. Somehow, some powers, yep. Somehow, everyone has powers. But it was good. I think, again, the two lonely rich girls dynamic is good. and I don't quite buy how lonely Lena feels all the time. She seems to have friends everywhere. I've got these great friends kicking about that I just kind of forget about conveniently. I think with Lena, it's more a trust thing. Yeah. Just because she very rarely allows herself to be put in a situation where she's vulnerable. And considering people's true friends who she can trust unequivocally would then open her up to the betrayal that her upbringing reinforcing her that she should constantly expect but the thing is they, they do the all oh, trust is hard to be earned and i never fully trust anyone and i fully trusted you but then you let me down and then she buddies up with flex for a good portion of the season and then is shocked that when I it bought, turns though, out that i bought because that relationship wasn't based on trust because remember when lex made her the original offer where he puts that truth mm. alien on his hand and answers all the questions. And one of the answers he gives is essentially, either you'll betray me or I'll betray you. One thing or the other will happen. So they both knew that going in. So I bought that. I bought it to an extent until the reaction after the betrayal. Yeah. So you go into it and you go, okay, she's also playing him at his own game because the line was, either you'll betray me or I'll betray you. know That line I got up until the fact that she's then blubbering at Kara's door after the betrayal. Because, because like, like you say, get in there first. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones where you're like, okay, so she knew the betrayal was coming because she's very smart and she's been through this before, or she didn't know the betrayal was coming and she's now had to go to the only person that can help after the betrayal. That bit of it just didn't quite fly with me. Because I was like, it would be a better long game to show that Lex has been getting played partly as well, where this showed, oh no, actually, he's just been 
miles ahead of her the whole way along. Yeah, and her plan to stamp out any aggressive urges that people have doesn't really work. It's never treated with the severity that it really is. I mean, the closest is when she steals Myriad and, and Kara's like, what the hell are you doing? And, and stops her. But she's still allowed to kind of keep going with it. At no point does Kara go in and just trash her lab to stop <laughs> her from doing it. She's just allowed to, yeah, it's fine. I'm sure we'll get plenty of warning when she's about to deploy it and I'll get to stop it then. But but it's just such a weird thing. It's just I want to fundamentally change humans or and alien. I want to fundamentally change the brain patterns of everyone on Earth so that everyone's nicer to each other. I want to give everyone an inner calm. I don't yeah. want anyone to feel stressed out anymore on either side. Everyone to lose their worry, everyone to lose their doubt, everyone to have this inner peace. Okay, which is quite a fair goal, I suppose. But it's Except the, it I'm isn't. going to force this on everyone <laughs> yeah. to make it passive. Also, you know? I'm going to do this because Kara lied to me for a few years about her secret identity. <laughs> That's why I'm going to do this, because I've been let down by someone. That's where I think the 100th episode worked kind of well, is it showed that there was never really a good time to break that to Lena. Yeah. That is why I kind of liked the 100th episode as a part of a thing, because it was like, okay, so let's go through the many different scenarios of this. Oh, it turns out there's no good option. There was no perfect time to break the news. It was either always going to be too early or always going to be too late in a friendship to break this. It's the strongest 100th episode we've had out of the ones that we've had, I think. I think they did a really good job with putting it together. And the fact that it acknowledges Kara has made mistakes, but there's also reasons behind she's making those mistakes. And, and when Monel tells her, no, it's all right to screw up now and again, but look at how often I've screwed up. And you know what? You were always there to tell me that I was screwing up. But that's how you grow. That's how you learn. And that's fine. And the fact is, okay, Lena's upset that Kara lied to her, but wanting to change humanity on a fundamental level is a bit of an extreme reaction to that. And it acknowledges the fact well, in later episode, that Kara standing about apologising for her all the time wasn't a good idea because she was just saying, I'm sorry, Lena, I should have told you sooner, I should have told you sooner. And then finally, in the final episode, she says, right, Lena, you don't understand what it means to keep a secret identity. You don't understand the level of stress. You don't understand why I do it. You just don't get it. You you really don't understand. And so stop and make me apologise for something that you don't understand or stop ignoring me because you don't understand this and that is a reasonable point because why didn't you tell me sooner it's like because i didn't bloody know you when i first met you and your <laughs> second name was luther why should i tell you no, I <laughs> you do I know the history of our two families yeah, do you not i don't tell everyone my secret identity at least not right away i do eventually but yeah it's only william that doesn't know now he'll find out soon <laughs> yeah well as soon as one person learns it it's time to drop in a new cast member in who doesn't yeah, know yeah because <laughs> we can't have everyone knowing yeah not- and i like that version of mixy better than the sketchy sex pest that we had the oh, last God. time we were on it. <laughs> and to the show's credit, it did actually acknowledge how they portray him. It's it like, was, it was seriously it. off. It was like, okay, we screwed up, we're sorry, and we're doing this now. Yeah, but it was a fun episode, the 100th one. I, th- I like the way they just used the different streaming services and DVDs and stuff to like, go into the past. Mm. Although, of which timeline? Who the hell knows now? <laughs> oh, God. Just, just not even think about it. Well, it's their memory, so it's the original Earth 38 timeline. They both remember it playing out that way. So that's fine, I guess. Yeah, you have to wonder what Lex did at the end of last season in that other timeline. What happened to the Russian Supergirl and stuff? I think that those are things we're just not supposed to think about. 
Yeah, it happened differently, but don't worry, everything they remember is intact, so it's fine. Everything which is actually relevant to the ongoing narrative will be easy enough to navigate eventually. Yeah. So it was good when Kara and Lena buried the hatchet, and I did kind of like the rift that was between them for most of the season, but it went on too long, and then it doesn't feel satisfying when it ends, because it's like, oh my god, it's been going on for so long, a simple apology is just not going to cut it at this point. Yeah, on one hand, it gets so tedious when the same plot point is dragged out again and again, after all, I just kind of want it to just be over so I can move on to something else. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that you see this plot point in all of these shows, and you always will, because it's the thing of, at some point, someone's got to learn out who the secret identity is, right? It's got to be outed at some point to some of the characters, and they either go one way, they're either shocked and happy that they've found out the secret or they've figured it out for themselves, or you go down the, I feel so betrayed that you never thought to tell me because other people know and I didn't know. Yeah. And you've got to go through that plot line. And because we've seen it so many times in so many different shows, you're like, I just want to fast forward this bit, please. Yeah. Because I know how this is going to end up at some point. So I just need it to skip forward a little bit because we've seen this betrayal before. We've seen this argument before. Yeah, we just don't need to see it again. Yeah, yeah we don't need to see it again. I like the slight twist of, well, I'm going to play her against me and give her tons of opportunities to tell me her secret because I know and she doesn't know that I know. So I'm going to, yeah. you know, I kind of liked elements of that. But then it was like, okay, now you've done that bit, but it's still prolonged and driving a wedge for a little while is a good thing i mean any other time we've sort of seen it wrapped up in a single episode in the flash for example iris when she learned barry's identity was pissed off for about (laughs) seven tenths of an episode before she was okay with it at the end and yeah sometimes it does take people a little while to realize oh no that's maybe why they did it you could have her doing all these i don't know instead of like attaching her to the villain story you could have her having these little thoughts to herself like for example when she finds out that Nia knew despite Nia not appearing until much later on it's like hang on just because Nia's a superhero or has powers <laughs> that she revealed and, and she finds out about other people that have found out her identity within a couple of days of meeting her or maybe during crisis where it's like, oh, how long did it take you to tell Barry you were Supergirl? It's like, well, you found out like, within seconds of meeting me. So that kind of thing. And it could be all this soul searching because I'm sure we've all been there where someone has omitted information from us. And it's like, why didn't they tell me that? Why are other people in on this? And, you know, where they're just casually having a conversation about it, expecting you to be fine with it. And it's like, why am I just learning about this now? This is crazy. Does this person not trust me or whatever? You know, that will go through your mind. But ultimately, you'll eventually well, do I have a right to this information? Do they have to tell me this information? Did I need to know it? Or is it just that they're more comfortable confiding in some people than others? No, definitely. Well put. Again, it's that complexity that we don't really get. I think the Cara and Lena friendship is probably one of the better friendships on television that we've seen. And I've seen people, I mean, having never been in a female friendship myself, I don't know. But I've seen people talk about how good a female friendship it is and how there's not really enough of them on television or in film, or in whatever, you know, in various mediums. It's, it seems that people don't have a tendency to write them very well, but this one, when they are friends, is written well. I think they drop it in really subtly, and they make it work pretty well, where it's meeting up for coffee, or you didn't come around for drinks on the other night, or what. You know, they don't drop it in all the time, and it kind of alludes to there's extra friendship that we don't see on screen. Yeah. 
it sort of alludes it's a bit further rather than oh the last time I saw you was the last time that we were together in an episode Yeah, it's oh no this is going on in the background all the time well this is one thing that Supergirl does better than any other TV show I watch is they have those moments where they meet up at a bar they have game mm. night they go for coffees they're just chatting to each other and somehow the main plot will feed into that conversation somehow but if you watch, I don't know, let's give it another kick, The Flash, mm-hmm. they'll be like, I went to see Allegra because I needed something for about the main plot from her. And it's, can't you just go see her just because you want to go see her? Or anything like that. In Supergirl, you do get an impression. It's, no, they just hang out. They're not doing anything. You know, there's nothing contingent on the main story going on here. When coming back to Game Night, for example, that is entirely character. It's not plot-based at all. He's just at Game mm-hmm. Night because he's back for a bit. And he deserves to be at game night. And um, I think they do that very well. And the fact that Lena was lifted out of that for so much of the season was a complete disservice to her character as well as that friendship. Because all she gets to do is hang around with Lex. For the inevitable betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> and which, as we have discussed, can get a little tiresome. Yeah. Well, I think it's good that Lex is his own downfall. The fact is he's in this world where he has literally everything he wants. Nothing is a problem. He runs the DEO the only thing is he can't kill Kryptonians because he's now friends with them, which is something he can barely stand, which <laughs> is really like, Maybe I should have thought this through for a few more seconds. Yeah, Maybe I should have thought differently at the giant portal that was creating a new world when I was doing that. I mean, what was on Lexi's list when he was doing that? <laughs> I'm trying to work out what he spun as he did it. Okay, so I want to be popular... I want to run the deal. (laughs) I want to be Supergirl's boss. (laughs) I also want this, that, and the other. But when he wakes up, when you get the episode of, oh, he's been plotting this the entire time, he essentially wakes up in bed with a butler there getting him a cup of tea or whatever, and he doesn't know what world has been spun for him. Well, I I suppose it worked then. (laughs) I suppose I got killed off and I made this work. Because he wakes up but doesn't know. He's surprised by everything that he's we, dis- we discussed it in Arrow, though. I guess the world shapes itself in unpredictable ways based on how everybody was thinking in that moment. He adapts to it a lot better than everyone else does. Let me yeah. put it that way. He wakes up and doesn't know that he's running the DEO or that he's got this, that, or the others planned out ahead of him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously, sorry, this the way I wanted. Let me just find out what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> interesting because when he speaks to his mother and she's like no don't go killing kryptonians we're like revered in this world it's really cool don't ruin it for us lex and he's like cool well i'm just gonna like manipulate stuff in the background and hope nobody finds out (laughs) but her line is oh we're revered in this world but obviously i've still been sinister and evil in the background (laughs) (laughs) it's not that you wrote the world where the loofers are all working fine and everything's great it's no we're still sinister and evil in the background, but we're also loved. <laughs> it's those little breaks in his composure that I really liked. For example, when Lena went to give Kara her condolences when Jeremiah died, Lex didn't expect that. He thought he'd destroyed that friendship, and he hadn't, or he hadn't completely destroyed it. And he gets angry, and he gets unstable. And then at the point where Brainy acts out with his expectations... Again, he gets angry and unstable. It's just, as soon as something doesn't go the way he anticipates... He just blows up. And that's his downfall, ultimately. Because at some point, something he failed to consider will happen, despite the fact that he considers almost everything. There'll be that one little thing, and that's what flips him over the edge. 
apart from that Brainy's final thing is what he had planned this entire time. Yeah, it's like, I knew you were going to do this, but I didn't think you would do it so early. Yeah, <laughs> so you kind, did kind of did it a bit quickly, and <laughs> yeah. that's annoyed me. Yeah. Like, when I told you that I was going to kill your friends, you stepped in. That was a flaw in my plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, yeah, I can I considered everything, apart from the fact that you didn't want your friends to die. Yeah, but... I think that's in the comics as well. There's always that one thing that Lex fails to consider and then it ends up being the thread that can be pulled on that eventually unravels them. Obviously, the season ends with him getting to continue on and doing other things. So that's good, I suppose. We'll see what he gets up to next season. But he's still basically in the same position he was in the post-crisis universe anyway. Just in possession of a jar which potentially gives him immortality and control over the elements and he has uh, access to the Leviathan ship, I guess. And access to the Leviathan ship, and yeah. Yeah. And the element of surprise, because no one knows he's planned this the whole time. Uh, I don't know. Do you think that's it for the DEO? Yes. Do you think, think we're done with it? Yeah, I think so. I think they were aiming for removal of the DEO pretty early on when they started moving Alex out. Yeah. And doing all that, it's like they were starting to plan to remove the bureaucracy bit of it. Yeah. And once they've <laughs> deleted the building. So I doubt that they'll start the DO again. Or if they do, it'll be a different organization that'll pop up. It won't be the DO. Yeah, but they're sort of swapping it for the super friends or whatever they call mm. themselves anyway. Yeah, Jean didn't have a lot to do this season, but he was kind of just always footing about being wise, which kind of suits him, I suppose. Wise and useful. Yeah. With a <laughs> yeah. new costume. We need to find a thing. I'm going to fly around the city and I will sense it with my mind. Yeah. I haven't sensed it yet until the plot demands it. <laughs> I've sensed it now. We should go. It's almost oh. the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and McGann's back for some reason. Don't know why. Uh, she just is. She's back. She's back because, you know, <laughs> we need yeah, an extra pair of hands with us. But yeah, we really needed someone else to go fly around the shapeshifts and totally fit the bill. So, yay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. And the actor agreed to come back for some reason, so that's all good. But I think part of it also is because they removed Brainy for a good portion of the season, they also need another pair of hands with different action scenes when they're splitting the team up yeah. to do different things. You need additional numbers elsewhere. And she works, I think she's getting the part and everything like that, so it's fine. But I think they've spent the season proving that they don't need the DEO in order to do things. No. I did like that all the resources of the DEO was replaced with I have a friend that happens to have access to a thing. <laughs> it used to be, we'll search the database and we'll find them in five minutes. Yeah. And then it became, I have a friend that knows a friend who works in the NSA, who has access to a database, who can find this thing. It's like, so, okay, cool. It's, hang on, in order to solve things, Kara's going to have to use some actual journalistic skills to investigate. Yeah, which is, after all, that's kind of meant to be her job. I mean, like, when she can be bothered to turn up the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you really think more people would question from time to time. Yeah. Like, what the hell she does all day? Yeah, what does she do all day? I mean, Andrea did that early on. She was like, where the hell's Kara? She's supposed to be at this meeting, and she's not. But they got rid of that when it became inconvenient plot-wise. <laughs> yeah, that's I think it. That was, we can't keep that doing this problem. every episode. Yeah. yeah, it's like they did it for quite a bit, and then they're like, oh, if we keep doing this, then she's going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so we need to drop the questioning now and just yeah. pretend that no one's now noticing. <laughs> Andrea's too distracted with her new project, so she's not noticing that all our journalists are off missing. Yeah, that's exactly it. And Nia as well, <laughs> she's never about. Meanwhile, it'd be, so what story are you working on? 
oh, I'm uh, working on how your uh, new platform is trapping users inside. <laughs> yeah, how about <laughs> you drop that story and you do one of the entertainment fluffy pieces that I was very keen on at the beginning of the season? Yeah. How about you do that, pal? It's like, Cara, you haven't written a story in months. Why are we still paying you? Why are you still working on these stories? And William, can you please stop writing the story about how my product is going to kill people? We really need a fluff piece. <laughs> and then he'd be like, I'm going to go back to the Times of London. So like, well, you stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we know you used to work there. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to start my own blog as an independent journalist. And uh, that way, okay. <laughs> so on Alex, obviously she goes through a massive change in her life where she leaves the EO and decides to be Jean's partner in whatever it is they do, wandering about, asking people questions. Investigation? Yeah, he's supposed to be a PI, but no one ever hires him. So we've got There that. was that one where the guy got <laughs> trapped inside the lenses. Yes. So that was an investigation? That was an independent investigation? That was, yeah. But they Happened to tie into the anyway. main plot, yeah. but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it was essentially a hire. <laughs> yeah. And I was all for this fact that Alex has to acclimate to a different pace of life, has to find a purpose again, all that good stuff. I think that'd be really interesting if they actually did it, but they didn't. Because basically what they did was, I don't know what to do when I'm not in the military anymore. Here's a bracelet that can turn into any gun or any sword or any weapon you can possibly imagine. Cool. <laughs> That's a cool thing. And they set it up as if mastery of that means that she's figured herself out, except she masters it and still hasn't figured herself out. And you've got this whole thing where Sean Astin says, it's really hard to get out of the military. I'm still struggling with it. It's going to take you a while. And then the next episode, Kelly says, you should be a vigilante, because that's mentally healthy for a psychologist to say. (laughs) (laughs) She instantly becomes a vigilante, which is, okay, I guess we're done with that. (laughs) If you're going to be going out there, you need a costume. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Why right, is a okay, psychiatrist cool. telling her this? You know, that's that's totally what I thought. That's a great idea. And we go to a story <laughs> where everyone discovers that Kelly's a fraud, like she <laughs> cheated on her exams or something like that, because she has no idea what she's doing. It's crazy. I mean, I'll never say that Melissa Benoist gave a bad performance, but that weird scream that she gave when she saw Alex's costume, what was that? I think it was meant to be really girly. Yeah, but it just... I don't know. It was like the, it has to sound like you're in trouble so that people will come running, but it also can be that you're really impressed by this. And it just came out as that. But, but I, imagine <laughs> the, I imagine the direction that she was given was exactly how you described it there. <laughs> and it was up to her. That was, that was what the director said. It was like, okay, so we need you to scream, but we need it to be kind of like, oh my God, I'm surprised, and this is brilliant. But also terrified so that everyone else comes running. Okay, you run with that, and action. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it was know. David Harewood that directed that episode as well. Oh, but there you go. That was yeah. probably exactly what the description was. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I kind of get where they were going with the funny bit of, oh, everyone's going to run in thinking she's got attacked. And it's like, that just seemed unnecessary. It yeah. didn't seem like a good bit. Yeah, so it seemed like they were onto something with Alex and then they just resolve it really quickly. And I'll forgive it if next season she's like, I don't really like being a vigilante. It's not really me. I'm going to like keep thinking about this. I like the line that they were doing at the beginning, which was, oh, I'm used to having the backing of a big governmental organisation. I'm used to having my badge and gun and being legitimate. Yeah. I can walk in and I can demand a thing with a warrant and I can get answers and I can do stuff. And I thought they were going to play about with that more. But like I say, it all got replaced with, oh, well, I happen to have a friend who has access to a thing. And they didn't run much with it. 
No. And it was the feeling of, oh, well, I don't fit in because I don't have superpowers, and now I don't have the backing of the organization, which was kind of my superpower before, was that I could bust through a window with 20 armed men at my back to help <laughs> me out. It was, now um, if I'm busting through a door, I'm busting through the door myself with my I-can-make-anything gun. Yeah. So they just didn't fly with it that way. They cut it too early and then they went down the line that we've seen before with Jimmy for example which was okay I want to be part of this team but I don't have superpowers so I'll have a shield I suppose (laughs) and I will uh, kick people that's how I will help out now we've seen this bit play out before yeah it was just kind of disappointing maybe they will revisit it next season and be like she isn't as comfortable with this as she initially thought there are other issues at play here she needs to deal with we just don't know but for now it was just yeah this is too abrupt and too messy it just it seems like they had an idea of where they wanted to be but couldn't quite figure out how to how to get there organically in the time frame that they decided on yeah but you've got another season like you don't have to do everything this season what are you talking about everything has to be done instantly and and repercussions of actions and and decisions they need to be dealt with straight away because that's how things work in this world yeah this is true. You seem to be suggesting that they could do some form of slow build-up towards something <laughs> like this, where someone thinks about the consequences of their decisions and doesn't just leap in instantly. Sounds like crazy talk to me. <laughs> yeah, mental. It's insane. It will never work. <laughs> what about William, though? I do I warmed to him a bit more as the season went on. I think once they found a place for him that kind of worked, it was okay. And he was purposely acting like an ass in the first half of the season. And then it's pointless because it's a completely different William in the second half of the season. And then you have this, he's the love interest, although they have no chemistry somehow. So we have to believe that. Well, after the reveal of what it was he was really doing, and also the boy's behaviour was was just a front previously, it was a a bit of adjustment for me just not wanting to punch him in the face all the time. (laughs) Because that's pretty much how I spent every moment looking at his smug, smirking face. (laughs) But yes, after he started becoming less obnoxious, then my violent tendencies faded slightly. I thought Um, it was hilarious that Kara managed to track the life cycle of their failed relationship when he just asked her out once. She was like, (laughs) well, no, because we'll go out a few times, we'll get really close, he'll find out I'm Supergirl, he'll hate me for lying to him, he'll leave me, and then I'll be miserable again. It's like... It's a feckin' coffee, Kara. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, but do, do you know what I've got to say in that case? Kara was right, because we are all sitting at home doing the same. Because <laughs> yeah, we are all sitting there going, yeah, she's going to go out with him. Yeah, she's going to break up with him because she can't reveal her secret. When she does reveal her secret, he'll be devastated and disappointed and break up with her. Oh, yeah, I can see these episodes going out. Yeah, don't go out with him. Don't go yeah. out with him. It's a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, but and then they had that, because she has a grand that doesn't exist that's sick. And then there's a cat that doesn't exist. Yeah, there's a cat that doesn't exist. I love it. It's like the first bit was she lied about her gran, so then he bought something for her gran or something. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was like so super, then she was like, oh, yeah. damn, now I've definitely got to break up with you because now I've got to introduce you to my <laughs> doesn't exist gran. Yeah. And then it was the cat. It's like I've now invented a cat that's sick because, you know, when I made my gran sick, that was too serious. So I'll make it the cat. <laughs> yeah. Now the cat's upset. John, I need you to disguise yourself as an old woman so I can introduce <laughs> you to William. That would be brilliant. Yes. And I want to see that. you think that after five years of lying to people about what she does all the time, you'd think she'd be a bit, a bit better at it by now. 
But the dumb excuses are supposed to be endearing, aren't they? It's like, you know, it's that Superman yeah. thing where it's like, oh, I have to go because I forgot something in the uh, elevator. It's like, what? People just think Clark Kent's weird. He's always running off with weird excuses. And then Superman appears a minute later, but I'm sure that's unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what they're doing here. But I think most of the time William isn't paying enough attention as well. It's like, hmm, Kara's weird. That's why I like her, because she's kind of weird. We'll do a duet later and it'll be fine. Not awkward at all to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really awkward scene. It's like, ah, oh, they're supposed to be falling in love by this duet, but they're not. They're not in sync at all. You could put Wynn up there, you would believe that they were falling for each other. Yeah, she actually performed the duet in front of a green screen. He wasn't really there. Um, <laughs> well, that would be next season when, when social distancing filming is kicking. <laughs> everyone's in green screen. Mm-hmm. That virtual environment will come back so that they don't have to like interact with each other in-universe. We're all going to meet oh, yeah. up in this place and fight a villain in the virtual world. Yeah, we all wear these anti-kryptonite suits now. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> we've all got to wear them. Yeah. I don't know why you don't just wear the anti-kryptonite suit all the time. Surely they can come up with like a transparent mask that she can wear that is imperceptible from her real face. Yeah, but if they did that, then have to deal with her not being unstoppable all the time. It's the same kind of deal with flash time. And, and yes, bring, bring back to a kick and flash. Drinking because, game. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can't wheel out the ability every, every time because it's too powerful, but are yet to come up with, with an explanation as to why it isn't. I just like that they keep finding more kryptonite. I love it. <laughs> as soon as they do that, yeah, we've got rid of the kryptonite now. <laughs> it takes a few episodes. And then the guy's pulling it out of the walls at the DEO. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's not like, the same yeah, DEO as before. Yeah, exactly. In the new world, Lex, when he rebuilt the DEO, rebuilt it with lots of kryptonite. I mean, when he was rewriting the world, would it not be, yeah, I want a bunker in my mansion that is full of kryptonite, please. I want all of this. I want Earth to be made of kryptonite. Yeah, Earth is littered with kryptonite. There's tons of it. In fact, I want it to be an essential component in concrete. Wynn came back for a couple of episodes. That was good. I liked seeing Wynn. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. Because he was one of my favourite characters in the beginning. And it wasn't even when he left because they had a replacement for him in Brainy. Yeah, but it was great to see him again. And also seeing that he has actually grown and developed as a character off screen. And wasn't just exactly the same person that he was when he left. Yeah. I didn't like Wynn in the first season. Statements like, oh, that's why you're not into me. You're a lesbian. And she's like, no, I just don't actually like you that much in that way. And he's like, oh, oh well. <laughs> that, stuff like that. It was kind of how he was written at that point. And he got better as time went on. But yeah, I really liked him when he came back and he had powers and he had all the knowledge. And he's like, look, I have a wife and child, so I'm totally not into you anymore, Kara. Not like when Monel came back and had a wife. Yeah, well, let's just not think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. I think he got better. I think once they put him where he should have been, which was in the DEO, it worked a lot better. When they yeah. had him as sort of the IT guy on the outside, and I mean, it just didn't quite make sense. It kind of made sense for introducing the character, but then they built it better. It wasn't written well at the first, and it was nice to have him back. It was one of those, and Andrew, you hit the nail on the head, he's had development as well. It's not that they just went, oh, yeah, we're going to have him back. He's going to do some jokes and things, and then we'll carry on. Did we need him to get closure with his virtual dad, who, for some reason, had left a version of himself on a USB stick or something somewhere? (laughs) No, we didn't need that. (laughs) That's the answer. No, we didn't. It was pointless. It 
didn't really add to him because he'd always had closure on his dad. It's like, yeah, I don't like him. He's a bad person. And then this virtual avatar of him is like, I'm actually really proud of you, so it's fine. And I'm going to save you from this weird washed up duplicate of you that's also in this server plugged into this system. <laughs> yeah, he was just providing an artificial resolution for an issue that wasn't really there. Because one of Wynn's characteristics was that he wasn't going to be like his father. But holding that negative impression of him wasn't something that there was something in his growth as a person. It was just a part of what drives him. And it wasn't something that required any resolution. Yeah, and the fact that he is a good father himself is that resolution as well. It's like, I'm not my father. I'm a better father than he was. That's enough. It's there in the subtext, which is probably why they felt like they needed to flesh it out. People aren't going to understand this. It's too subtle. How are people going to understand what we're aiming for unless we explicitly state it? Yeah. Plus, it was another episode where the DEO was going to blow up and wipe out half the city. Like, why is this building allowed to exist? <laughs> if you blow up the core that's inside it, it takes out however many city blocks. If you're putting up a nuclear power station in a city or near a city, does it not have to be like legally several miles away? Well, normally it'll be sort of by the coast or whatever, so that it's got the water for the yeah. outflow for cooling and everything yeah, and like that. It's also not to be near a populated area. Yeah, in case like, it blows far, up and <laughs> far enough away that it's not going to immediately kill the population. Only five minutes later or so. Yeah, but yeah, it does seem like a massive flaw. When they were out in the desert, it was maybe a better idea for them to be out there with their nuclear reactor rather than you. But know. I bought it at that point. Yeah, it's fine. It's powered by this weird fusion reactor or whatever it is because it is so far away from the city and if it melts down it won't cause any issues but no we're right in the middle of the city we have this really powerful power source in the building that frequently gets hacked and almost blown up but what's it powering what have they got in there that's yeah but but what in the building is drawing that much power that they need their own reactor what have they been doing there well, you, you know, but you've seen containment cells elsewhere and they've not got a massive nuclear reactor in the, in the <laughs> centre of the building. <laughs> what have these guys got in there? Yeah. There's not a big shield to protect humanity or anything. You've, yeah, yeah, you've got some cell blocks or whatever, but we've seen Supergirl smash through them fairly often. Yeah. Yeah. And you had another issue with that episode, didn't you, Chris? Oh, that episode is the one where they brought in unusual server radiation. <laughs> which I love to delight. <laughs> it's my new go-to thing to put in tickets for my job. <laughs> <laughs> Customer detected unusual server radiation. To detect where this program's running, you've got to find the unusual server radiation. It's like, what's unusual server radiation? It's slightly like if you're, hotter if you're, than the other servers? If, if your server's radioactive to begin with, I would say that's unusual. If there's unusual radiation on any of the servers, I would say you've got a problem. But then that maybe feeds into the reactor as well. (laughs) Shielding isn't very good, so all the servers are irradiated. I mean, the server that I run gives off heat, which is radiation. It is true. If it was unusually warm, say, then you'd be like, oh my god, there's a sentient artificial intelligence on my server, rather than, oh, I need to open the cupboard processing a lot. <laughs> and also, it's just on one server. You know, there's an entire farm of servers there. I'd duplicate yourself a couple of times. Don't limit yourself to one lousy server. Go for the whole thing. It's almost as bad as Felicity's. I've only installed this program on this tablet, which means that it can't stretch out as much as it needs to but as we've seen those little tiny contact lenses i mean that tablet might as well be an entire server farm that's like all of google server farms rolled into one tablet 
because yeah. we've seen what the computing power of those little lenses are. So <laughs> the computing power of that one tablet, I think I've now got to roll back what I said in that Arrow episode because that tablet obviously was capable of doing all that sort of stuff. I mean, That's- imagine those servers, like the size of those servers, imagine what they are capable of considering the size of the lenses. That's why you need a nuclear reactor to power them. Yeah, well, maybe (laughs) it is, but what nuclear reactor are those lenses using in order to be powered? I mean, the batteries must be tiny. Uh, How do they work? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Technology in this program, I give up. There's not enough gigabytes (laughs) on Craig's server. (laughs) It doesn't work. We need more radiation on Craig's server so we can upgrade the space. There's not enough radiation on my server. There's not enough radiation on the server. We need excess radiation for more gigabytes. I forgot about Jean's brother and stuff, which I thought was okay. It went the way that you wanted it to or you expected it to. He was going to be evil and then he would be redeemed and that was it. (laughs) That's what happened. It was fine. I'd almost forgotten about it because it was in the first half of the season. It's almost like you should forget the first half of the season. Any of the pre-crisis stuff, it's not really important. None of it matters now. Yeah. I mean, some of it does, but only the stuff that matters matters, and we don't know what that is yet, so we'll find out later. Yeah, we've not decided. In future episodes, it may be a surprise that suddenly it does matter again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. We've yeah. not written it yet. Yeah. yeah. I thought Brainy taking off his inhibitors was interesting, because I didn't expect it to happen, and it means that Jesse Rath stops putting on that stupid voice he kept putting on. You know, that kind of over-the-top, sort of weirdly broken diction-type performance he kept doing. Yeah, well, I think that was a good way to kind of create as like a differentiation like between the two brainy states. Yeah, it was well done enough. I think the whole distance yourself from your friends thing was a bit stupid. I mean, it was just there to create tension and to give Nia something to be upset about, which it worked and it didn't work as well. But it was in the last episode where his duplicate, his doppelganger that was inside him, was speaking to him and said, I didn't tell you to cut yourself off from your friends. Like, no, you did. That's exactly what you told him to do. <laughs> he said attachments will make you vulnerable, will throw you off when you should be just trusting hard logic and the algorithm to rule yeah. everything. It's precisely um, what you said. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I cut myself off my friends to make sure that they didn't become an obstacle. What do you mean that's not what you wanted me to do? <laughs> the thing is, like when he took off his inhibitor, I was kind of expecting him to go really cold and calculating. Which yeah. didn't fully happen. It was like they went, oh, we want him to betray his friends and not care as much because it achieves the goals that are necessary for everyone to survive. And for everyone to survive, some sacrifices must be made, etc., etc., etc. But they didn't fully go down that route. No, It was like, oh, well, yeah, but he still actually cares about them and doesn't want anything to happen with them. And he's not happy with it going any further than this because we still want this character to be likable and redeemable. Yeah. Whereas if we let him just fully go down the villain route again, it won't work. If you're not careful, he'll turn out like the Brainiac in Krypton, that show that's not part of this universe, but <laughs> it should be. And we want that Brainiac version back because he's amazing. <laughs> I thought they were going to go down more the calculating route, make him colder, make him more... And they didn't quite commit to it. I like him as a character. I think he's been quite fun the way he's been put together and the way they've involved them in certain plot lines have been good in the past and other seasons but with this i didn't quite get it he seems really surprised that lexi's whole plan is to kill his friends and he seems shocked at the fact that you're calculating all these things out and surely one of the things you're calculating is lex luther wants to kill kryptonians surely that applies to this whole situation yeah it's 100 percent his thing if there's a plot he's behind it to kill Kryptonians 
as much as he's calculating and is your best chance at getting in the door, surely you've always got to know in your heart of hearts that in the end he just wants to kill Supergirl. I guess what they weren't really anticipating was, or I guess what Brainy hadn't anticipated is that Lex is as intelligent as he is because he is a 12th level intellect, which means really there's no one on Earth that's smarter than Mm. him, except, I guess, Lex Luthor, who must be a 13th (laughs) level intellect. (laughs) Maybe 12.5 level. Let's let's not go too far here. Yeah, so there's a bit of that. Brainy seems like a genius, but I've never got the impression that he's the smartest being on the planet. I always feel like he's a bit dumb, really, in a lot of ways. A lot of that's the fact that he's socially awkward or doesn't understand how social conventions work. And Like when he started his relationship with Nia and he was going a bit too far, kept buying her food all the time mm. and all that stuff. It's supposed to be funny and it's supposed to be cute and yeah, it kind of works, I guess. But in other aspects, I never quite got the impression that yeah, he's way, way smarter than everyone else in this room. Because I guess the situations don't lend themselves to that, because if he was that smart, he would solve every problem immediately. Or he would see the problems coming away before they arrive. He would yeah. see the patterns that other people aren't seeing and the approach of stuff that isn't there. Um, I suppose the reasoning is supposed to be, oh, he's had these inhibitors on the whole time, so that stopped him being as fully powerful as he should be. Though, in theory, that stopped this season, so he should be predicting these things and should be more in tune and... I mean, and having the knowledge, but none of the street smarts kind of works. It's like, you know, all the rules, but you don't quite know how to play the game kind of thing. I get that. But there's just bits of it that just didn't work for me. It's like, you either need to commit fully to it or not. And having the character in conflict doesn't quite work for me. You either knew 100% that Lex at some point was going to try and do this, or he's dumb. He just didn't pick up on it whatsoever. And as with Lena, it does him no favours to be separated from the main cast Mm. for a good chunk of the season. I think that never helps where we're going to have someone off doing their own thing for a bit because part of the appeal of this show is how they all bounce off one another. So when he's only working with Lex and interacting with Lex and occasionally interacting with the others, where they're instantly suspicious of him because he's working with Lex. It doesn't work as well. It was even the bit where he's withholding information, and I'm trying to remember the episode. It's when they try and find the alien that's attacking Andrea, and he goes, oh, well, I'm just going to not tell them that he's actually in this barn. And they make the decision to check out the barn anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like... Send them on a wild goose chase. Go, oh, no, actually, I've found a location, and it's a barn that turns out it's miles and miles away from that other <laughs> barn. So they'll go off over there. I actually sent them away, not tell them, nah, just, I've not been able to find anything in my database. So they go, oh, might as well check out that barn we got told about then. And go. <laughs> so if it's meant to be the smartest person in the room, then it's not there. And I would have liked either a turnaround where it turns out Brainy was playing Lex, the entire time. That would have been the double cross that I really wanted to see, the triple cross. Lex thinks he's controlled everything and planned everything out. Brainies went behind them and managed to get into Leviathan by telling them that Lex is actually the one that's trying to stop them. Yeah. We'd have loved that turnaround. That would have been great. That would have been made it all the worthwhile. It turns out I've been contacting Leviathan behind their back and telling them to play along with you. Great. That would have worked for me. But having it going, oh, I'm now surprised that you want to kill Kryptonians 
was like, oh, it turns out you were evil all along. Oh, no. Oh, I'm shocked. They just, yeah. Because we as the audience, I hope we as the audience are not supposed to be surprised. Yeah. Please tell me <laughs> that the whole time they didn't think that the episode with Lex being behind everything was supposed to be a turnaround where we go, you what? No way. <laughs> Because it's like, oh, oh, this is the episode that we've been waiting for. Like you say, Andrew, it must be in his contract that it happens every time. Or they go, oh, we've got this episode in the bag. There's the episode where we reveal Lex was behind everything. Even, I think even it's to the, the extent where... that Lex is behind everything is a bit of a surprise in some cases. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he went in a disguise to speak to a person at one point, oh, I did the, like that. The, that the hippie laugh. bar. The, the hippie yeah, bar. The hippie yeah, barman. Brilliant. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, cool. Can, can sure. you not hire a guy for this? <laughs> Yeah, could he not have just paid the barman? If you had had him in the corner of the room paying the barman, going, right, what you need to do is you need to go up to this guy. Or No, he's been hired as a barman. Or all you need to see is the scene after that, where the actual barman comes up from refilling a keg or something and goes, who are you? And kicks him out or something. No, he's just there. Does he own the bar now? I don't know. Maybe he bought the bar especially to do that. I wouldn't put past him. He's got all the resources, so why not? He bought his own bar. He was planning that far ahead. Don't see why not. Yeah. Ah, uh, dear. Some of it you're like, oh, so he was behind this bit and that bit. But I still didn't quite get his plan. I didn't get it. It's like, I'm going to put a thing in the code that gets people trapped. You're not going to fix it and you're not going to tell Leviathan what I've done. And the only response that they're going to be able to do is they're going to kidnap these people and store them in this warehouse. <laughs> right? That's the plan. That's the whole plan that he put together, is that he is going to give them a power core that they can't switch off so that they can't shut down the system. He's going to put a bug in the code so that people get trapped. He's not going to let anyone know how to fix it so that the only response is you kidnap people, presumably across the world, by the way. <laughs> right? Because this isn't just a pilot in one city, right? This is across the world, this product's been launched. Except from in the cities the other shows are set in. Apart from the cities the other shows are in, they're in their own little bubble. But across the world, he's done a grand tour, right? We see the clips of the tour where he's standing in front of the pyramids and he's in Rome or wherever he is launching the product. So presumably, Leviathan have had to hire people across the world to abduct people once they get trapped in the system, wherever they may be, in the rural outback or in the <laughs> middle of India, these people are being abducted and taken to warehouses across the world, right? So how on earth do Leviathan, who have a god of technology, just bear with me here, they have a god of technology who doesn't find the problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've got the investigative journalist, formerly of the Times of London, <laughs> and the psychiatrist, who have found the problem. Who despite neither of them having computer skills. Despite none of them having computer skills whatsoever. And this memo presumably has been circulating, unless, I mean, don't get me wrong, maybe they've only told the one person in the company. And this news hasn't gone very far because the one person they told, the CEO, has only told one secretary about the issue and assumed it was fixed. But the god of technology hasn't solved it whatsoever. 
hasn't worked out anything. I love it. I just love that part of his plot. That part of his plan is, in fact, genius. I can see no <laughs> flaws in it whatsoever. <laughs> God, it sounds like we hate this show, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, wow. I think we'd be anyway. positive at some point. Yeah, it's- Do you know what? There are positives across it. But like I say, once you start picking the plot and pulling strings, oh my God, does stuff <laughs> unravel in this program, especially when you're writing the smartest people in the world. Yeah, You've got Lena, you've got Brainy, you've got Lex Luthor, you've got a clandestine organization that's existed since the beginning of the humanity. Yeah. All of them are there. So can't then come up with something that's got plot holes that I can pick. <laughs> well, that's the problem, isn't it? Writing geniuses. The people writing them are not geniuses. So how do you write them to be geniuses? And it's when every know. second person is a genius as well makes it even more difficult. Because Lex yeah. is a genius. Lena's a genius. Brainy's a genius. Kara, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Alex, in theory, well, she's pretty intelligent. Yeah, Alex in the early seasons is a doctor, a medic, a specialist in all these different things. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Alex is one of those people that whatever she turns her hand to, she'll be an expert at immediately. Just like Oliver Queen, really. <laughs> Anything he decided to do, he would just become amazing at like immediately. It's like when he became a chef. It's like, oh, yeah, I spent the summer like <laughs> learning to cook, and now I'm the best in the world at it. Buy my cookbook. <laughs> I don't know. It's got some kind of Green Arrow theme, but I'm not the Green Arrow. So, speaking of plot threads unravelling, what do we think is going to happen next season? I think it's going to be a weird one because it's going to be much later. It's going to appear much later because of Melissa Benoist inconveniently getting pregnant. For um, yes, How dare she? How dare she? <laughs> it's going to make it even harder for me to get her off Chris Wood. I don't know how I'm going to do it now. You just have to focus and be dedicated and believe in yourself and other inspirational nonsense. There's going to be a podcast, right, where I'm going to reveal what I've been doing in the background in order to... (laughs) (laughs) It's when we see in the news that they've split and then Craig goes, and now I can reveal the full extent of my plan. (laughs) I'll just be like, oh yeah, that's a shame. It's all part of the plan. And then there'll be some weird flashback to me just... I don't know, sitting on message boards or something, like posting stuff. Spreading idle gossip amongst her friends so that they start spreading it towards her. Good for them. It's really good when unspeakably attractive people get together and then have children. Craig dressed as some sort of hippie barman. (laughs) (laughs) How's the kid, Chris? Chris Wood, if that is your real name. I wish them all the best. But we're going to get it in, I don't know, I don't know when it's going to appear, just later next year. It's not in the first run of stuff, so... There'll be no crossover involving Supergirl. That's going to be Batwoman and Superman and Lois, maybe. No, that might change. <laughs> Depending on to what extent either show still exists for that point. Yeah. yeah. Superman and Lois will be fine, possibly. I'm looking forward to that. I really am looking forward to seeing that. I think it'll be a the different new, spin on Superman. I yeah, think... the new adventures of Superman and Lois, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Superman and Lois, as opposed to Lois and Clark, as the show was previously called. It's Superman and Lois and Sons. <laughs> yes, because there are two of them now. Yeah, that Clark has no idea about, so he's got to go. I hope they've first seen the first episodes where he flies home and he's like, "Who the hell are these? <laughs> I don't, I don't know who these children are." The memories thing—they haven't really done much with that. But anyway, next season, I have no expectations. I think this one seems to have been wrapped up neatly. The only lingering thing is the boss of Leviathan that I don't care about. So I'm sure they'll have some other issue to half-ass early on in the next season. 
That's usually how it works, because that's going to be the big exciting reveal, and they don't want to blow that too early. I don't know. What other topical issue do you think they'll hit on? I wonder if they'll go with the uh, police getting out of hand at protests. Possibly, though they might consider feelings on that to be a bit raw, and to utilise it as a subplot in a comic book TV show might seem a little insensitive. Yeah. They've done the whole trust and authority thing before, so I wouldn't say that they would go around that front again. And they're beating us over the head with racism. Mm. Yes, that is true. Who knows? I have no idea what will happen next season in that case. I mean, I'm sure Lex has got it all planned out, so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll find maybe, out. Maybe it will finally be Lex's downfall, because like, John Cryer's like, I don't want to be in this show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I keep panning Lex, but I do think, like you said earlier on, John Cryer's performance has been really, really good. But yeah, just the way the character's written and the way it works they, in the story just peeves me off. They definitely bend uh, over backwards to keep him around. There's a reason that he has his hotline to the DEO in his office. It's because we only have John Cryer for so much time, it, any time he shows up for filming so we can only really shoot him in this office so people need to come to him or he needs to phone people from this office or the back of this car or yeah <laughs> yeah no i get it next season yeah we're going to get the leviathan big bad who is going to be some sort of shock surprise the tech gods that we've not seen actually die or shrink for some reason is probably going to be back with vengeance and what else are we going to get? Oh, I'll go for Brainy putting his implant things back in. There we go. Yeah, maybe. It's going to be a weird one next year with it starting so late. That's because of the pregnancy thing. It's nothing to do with COVID. Well, it's kind of to do with COVID, but I think they would have started it later anyway because of maternity leave. I think it makes sense. And the thing is, they've got enough shows to cover the time anyway. Though now with COVID, probably not. Well, we'll see. If they actually get to make their January deadline for the first run and then... Whatever it is, Supergirl will be in the second run, I think. I think they'll keep the order the way it is, even if it does end up being later for the others. We shall see. Yeah, I don't have much speculation for next season. I think that this season is mostly fairly self-contained, as in it starts off with a couple of things and then essentially finishes them. Andrew, do you have any thoughts? Certainly nothing specific to add to what you've already said. And more, uh, guessing more generic things like kind of the awkwardness, relationship, angst, and other standards that we've come to know and love. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap things up then. Andrew, give us your final thoughts on season five and just life in general, I suppose. Generally, as mentioned, I have enjoyed most of it. Despite what has been said here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, despite the copious quantities of narrative deconstruction we've, uh, <laughs> we've, we've engaged in, we do actually enjoy it. And it is perfectly possible to enjoy something while being perfectly aware of its glaring narrative flaws. And that's pretty much how I'm feeling about it, to be honest. Succinct. I like it. Chris, what about you? Like Andrew says, despite the flaws that I can detect in it, it's sometimes an enjoyable watch. It's not been top of my list with a lot of the CW stuff. Personally, I found it a bit of a struggle after Crisis to get going with a lot of the shows again. But yeah, Supergirl's been all right, despite some of the flaws and the unusual server radiation. (laughs) (laughs) It's been bearable to an extent, but like I say, I've got a list of things that just as soon as you start pulling at the threads, it starts to go a bit downhill for you. Yeah, pretty much the same for me. I do like the show and I always find it enjoyable. Like I said at the beginning, it hasn't plumbed to the depths that one of the other shows has. <laughs> Which one's that be, Craig? <laughs> Which one, Craig? One. You've left us guessing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll need to keep tuning in or listen back and find out because it's in there. 
maybe it's on the Snyder Cut podcast that you oh. can also listen to that's, oh. <laughs> that also exists possibly before this one or after this one. I don't know when it will be published. It might be before this, might be after this. What is time? Yeah, it's fine. I think they bit into a few bigger issues than they could actually develop properly, as we've said. And I think it's a real shame because it is something that was rife for some really interesting development. But at the same time, I don't know how you would tell that story with a Kryptonian as the main character either. But I'm not here to tell them what they should be doing. I'm here to critique what they did do. So that's where I win. I get to be critical and not suggest improvements. And when it comes down to it, isn't that what putting things out on the internet is all about? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We are those people on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, it's us. Yeah, but we're affectionate about the show. It's fine. We keep watching it. We keep talking about it. It's Yeah, it could be worse. We could be not talking about it. If anyone has any arguments against the massive plot holes that we've pointed out, feel free to put them in the comments on the website or tweet them or whatever else, because I am genuinely interested. Yeah. <laughs> if, if someone can defend, then go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, thank you for being here to discuss Supergirl. It'll be a while before we're able to talk about Supergirl again. So That's because you're cleaning all that radiation out your server, that's why. Yeah, and it's not on for a while, a good long while. By the time it comes back, it'll be like, oh yeah, that's a show that I watched. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you for turning up. Thank you very much. Andrew, thank you for being here. Always a pleasure. Now, I'm away to talk to Sonic the Hedgehog in this Obsidian world, because I can do anything. So, that was our discussion of Supergirl Season 5. Thanks to YouTuber Dagma for the intro music and YouTuber Neil Stenson for the outro music. If you liked what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, if you could leave a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss Supergirl, the Arrowverse, or anything else, then you can contact us through Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave comments on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. (laughs) 